Linux Out Loud is firing up our microphones, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expand upon. We keep the banner friendly of the conversation, eh, somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we are spouting off about things we're doing at the start of 2024. Let's get into episode 81. And with me today are my fine co-hosts, Nate and Wendy. And well, okay, Wendy anyway, Nate. (laughs) I certainly wouldn't consider myself fine. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. I'm going to be nice. (laughs) Really? Are you ever? It is a new year, but we do actually enjoy doing the show, believe it or not. We do, yes. Actually, I look forward to all of my Matt interactions. I do. It's definitely entertaining for me, yeah. I mean, it's Especially in these stressful days. It's entertaining for me. <laughs> I, I enjoy, it's like, what will Matt say this time, you know? Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Which which thing will he badger or or knock on this time? You know, it's kind of like that. <laughs> It's only the thing you like. Always open Sousa. <laughs> well, that's a given. And and besides, I only knock and badger the things that Nate likes. I don't badger and knock on the things Wendy likes. Uh, to be fair, you have commented on the fact that you don't really care about robotics and that you don't enjoy 3D printing. So you have said that you do tune out for those conversations. But yes, I, I get where you're coming from. That's because Matt is mildly <laughs> boring. He doesn't like the exciting stuff in life. He's like, you know, while while Wendy, while you and I, we enjoy the, you know, the the real hearty meat and steak, you know, potatoes and, mm, and, and veggies. Steak. He's kind of on, on the uh, technology Twinkie train. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> says the guy who also eats the Twinkies with things like the Steam Deck and the Atari VCS that he refuses to acknowledge that he actually bought. You're welcome. Mm-mm. What? I, I don't yeah, know. Exactly. I, I clipped exactly. out there for a bit. Yeah, it's kind of like what I do for robotics and other stuff. Let you guys have your fun. Mm. <laughs> yeah. There, there you go. There you anyway, go. Anyway, all that aside, Could, Nate, wait, I, what have you, you fall off actually, topic already? Yeah, we always do. <laughs> we never really make it through the intro without falling off topic. That might have been my fault, but I'm not going no, to. Maybe. It, it, Maybe. it was. It was. Okay. Well, that's fair. So I'm really excited this year. Santa Retro Claus brought me a great gift. And I think Matt, I've already Ooh. sent you pictures of it. And it was a it was a big time soldering project. And I'm I'm very like like I'm I was super excited about this. You know, when but it's it is an AMSI eighty eighty replica. So this is like a, a computer from nineteen seventy-five. And and the way this thing actually would be you like programmed before before he had screens, basically, you would actually input by binary. So this actually represents a byte, and this represents a byte, essentially, of information. And then you, know, you can you can run run programs and whatnot, and pause them, whatever. So that that's it's it was an, a quite the intense soldering project to do. A little bit beyond my my general skill set, actually. I mean, yeah, yes, I do solder, but it's just not not my main thing. And uh, it it runs this runs off of an ESP. 32. You can serial console into it and everything else. It's got some jumpers there for different modes and whatnot. But what it does do, like at, at this time, it's actually running a small, like, it's an ESP32, so it's got Wi Fi and whatnot, which the original AMSI 8080 obviously did not have because there wasn't Wi Fi at the time. But what it does have is, a, like, you can, using like a, a browser of your choice, I've been using Firefox, they they do say if they support Chrome and anything else works, they said, you know, thumbs up basically. But anyway, so after 10 hours of soldering this thing, which was lots of fun. I started on Saturday, no, started on Sunday, finished it on Monday sometime. And the, you can, let me back up here. It has like a, like a web interface basically. So you can actually like mount different like tape drives or hard drives or disk drives, whatever, mm-hmm. virtually inside of it. You can actually uh, interface with, with some of these buttons here also virtually as well. And, uh, and actually my kids already enjoy playing with this thing. They like how clicky it is. Oh, no, oh that, yes. Gotta love the it's, click. It's nice and clicky. So these, I guess, are real mechanical switches. I don't know. Anyway, so I basically know nothing about the AMSI 8080 other than this is the basically, this is a replica of the computer that Matthew Broderick used in the movie War Games, which is why I think it's so cool. Not not Whopper, mm-hmm. not the, you know, do you want, you know, 
do you want to play a game? Not that one. The the one that he used to hack into a school and everything else. So, so that's what this is. And that's what, that's kind of its claim to fame, I would say in my mind anyway. So it does have a version of CPM on it, which is like kind of pre-DOS essentially, or what DOS was co- basically copied, MS-DOS copied. I know how to do nothing on it yet. But this was the most fun soldering project I've ever had. Usually it's like trying to fix something. This was just assembling it. Instructions were very well laid out. It's even probably easier if you're not a moron like myself. But anyway, the the surface mount devices were probably the most challenging. What are you going to say, Matt? Go ahead and just go ahead and say it. Whatever you're going to say. I was going to say that's probably it wasn't the only challenging thing. My lack of, <laughs> my lack of soldering skills. Anyway, so I... The service mount devices were a bit of a challenge, like like the you know the SD card reader, whatever that was on there. You have to, I, I there's it's a technique called drag soldering. It's like a little solder on the end of the of the, the soldering iron, and then you basically drag it across the contacts. I used probably way too much flux because it was a real big pain to clean up. But uh, it's supposed to be like no cleanup flux, but it's quite the opposite. It's like clean and clean and clean and clean. So maybe the cleanup flux is even more clean. Anyway, it's Santa Retro Claus brought it to me, so we'll just leave it at that. But it came from Australia, and you have to. It took a while. Like I, had, I basically, I, I put my name in the in the queue basically in June, and I got it. in Santa brought it to me in December. So uh, wow. anyway, it was uh, it was pretty exciting to to work on. I really enjoyed it. I I would say my my soldering skills, and I the way when I say it like that, it makes me think of Napoleon Dynamite. My post staff skills are way better now. Like, I mean, I started out like kind of struggling and by the end of it, I got pretty quick. And so if nothing else, just for the exercise of, of like soldering together something, this project was just worth it if you want to really enhance that. And there's some other like retro computer replicas that, that he offers, but it's from the high nibble.com. I'll make sure you have a link for the show notes. Uh, nice. And so even if I don't do anything, like really take the time to really learn the computer, all I really want to do with this thing is have it do its little blinky blinky stuff. Like I was, I was messing with it, just having it. So like when I, when I ran a program that it just started like just kind of doing some, some blinking nonsense basically. And uh, that's all I really want it to do and sit in my office at work. So when somebody comes by, I can say, yeah, this is what runs the place. So. <laughs> well, it's more like that's what runs cubicle labs. But anyway, so that was, that was my really big, exciting thing over the the holiday time. Well, it sounds like it was a really cool project. It's great that you are able to hone some of those skills as far as soldering goes. It's not a skill that I have either, but I haven't really had much need for it. There was a vehicle of ours that I thought was going to need some soldering work done because I just couldn't get a replacement board for the back of it. So the back of the car had cool air, but it didn't have heat. It's, you know, kind of December. So I thought some work was going to happen on that. But then the transmission went out on it on the way to robotics. So it's not worth the money to put a transmission in that vehicle. And it's just junkyard scrap at this point and searching for a new vehicle. I was on the freeway and thankfully no one was around when, when it happened and we were able to to pull over and all of that fun stuff. But I don't need to solder anything on that anymore because just the whole thing's in the junkyard. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is the problem worked itself out. Right, literally. the problem worked mm-hmm. itself out. <laughs> in about the most literal sense possible. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much so, yes. <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome. You know, I, I don't know, like, maybe not for the Lego robotics, but the higher end stuff, they might need, you know, those soldering might be more needed there maybe i don't know i have a really nice rework station that i got on ebay some time ago and mm-hmm. uh and i i really like it because i can it's got the heat the heat gun part so i can do like surface mount devices a little easier whatever i didn't do that for uh, for add for putting them on but i did it for taking it i could do it for taking off the devices so i but i've used that for like largely i use it for shrink tubing which is oh yeah yeah gotcha and i haven't had to do too much of that in general and i don't necessarily think that they do because most of the stuff that they're wiring together has connections at least at this point mm-hmm. maybe frc has some soldering but i doubt it because they can buy whole pieces off the internet where yes we can buy individual motors but if they were going to build or wanted to use a swerve drive they've had to build the swerve drive instead on the topic of robotics in general 
We are now in January. We are on the final stages before state, and there's so much going on prep work-wise for that. I really didn't want to be writing a whole bunch of code right now as we're going to state, but yeah, yeah, we are writing a ton of code at the moment. Nothing has really gone to plan this year, and it seems like our robot can't go for a long time before we have to plug it in, let it fully charge, and then continue on the coding because it starts doing some funny things. So that that's a little bit of an issue that's holding us back. And then the FTC team is doing really pretty good. So if you don't remember, I'm now helping with two robotics teams, the FLL team, which has its date coming up on January 14th. So this show will drop the week of state. And then the FTC team has their state the beginning of February. And I can't remember exactly what that date is, but they are busy working on that robot. There's only three kids on the team. All three of them come from the FLL team. Two of those team members are my kids. Like I literally have two thirds of the the new rookie FTC team, but they're, they're doing great. They have a chassis put together and they're putting together the arm, which is going to pick up the pixels. That's the game element this year. It's going to pick up the pixels and then deposit them on. Because pixels, so, they're, so pixels for me are probably a little bit larger than pixels for for uh, Matt because right, you know yeah, I'm three twenty yeah. by two hundred. I'll actually have to share ten eighty p. I'll actually have to share the <laughs> STL file because you can print some of the game elements for this oh, okay. year. So I have to send them to you so that you can actually see what they look like. But that's what they're calling them. They're calling them pixels as these different game elements. And the whole theme for all of First Robotics is Steam, so arts and technology. So their game is set up is you pick up these colored pixels and you take them to the back wall, which they're calling a stage, and you set them up on the stage. If you have three colors together then that's points and you can't have any of the colored pixels together unless you align them with white. So they become their own little element on the overall backdrop. Uh, One of the other game parts is in end game. So that last 30 seconds, you can shoot a paper airplane and or hang from the stage door, which is really pretty cool. So the kids don't necessarily have a way to shoot the airplane yet. But they do have an idea of how they're going to make the robot hang from the back door and have a pretty good idea how they are moving those pixels back and forth. Originally, they wanted that last little arm, which is grabbing the pixels to be made out of metal. And it didn't take them very long in trying to fabricate that, realizing that just isn't going to work. There's going to be too many bits and ends and bobs on that that are restricting and and difficult to use for the purpose. So they now want to CAD this thing. The The rough part is that I don't know anything about CAD. I do have, what was the one you mentioned? The Onshape. There's also... Onshape. If yeah. you use Windows, you can use Fusion 360, which is really good, but you have to use Windows. I and- don't. But the kid and the kids can get an education license for Fusion for 360 and have a full version of it. But then you have to be able to run it on a Windows machine, which is not something I'm thrilled about. So I do like Onshape because we can run it from a browser. I have made myself an account with that, and I started going through like some of the basic educational stuff. But I'm not very far into it, and they need to have this built and running, not only like prototyped but prototyped and working by the time we come to February when they have state. They have a scrimmage at the end of this month, so it would be really nice for it to be fully working by then. And then if they're realizing, hey, we need to make some tweaks and changes, be able to do that and and have a finished product. So on my to-do list of many, many things to do is learning how to CAD. And you, thankfully, before we started the show offered your services and helping us learn to CAD and and helping us figure out how we're going to build this arm. So I will be meeting with you after the show to schedule 
one of the times that I'm at the build room. Like I said, I pretty much live there. I'm either here at my desk or I'm at the build room. That's where you can find me. Those are the two places I live. My desk has been cleaned off recently, so there's not too many dishes, cups (laughs) on it at the moment. But yeah, you can definitely tell how long Wendy's lived here by how much stuff like gets stacked up on the desk. Yeah, I understand that. And and not to to derail from that, but like I've taken the time to clean the space behind me, Mm. except I got to put that away. That's that's (laughs) alcohol. Um, Anyway, but yeah, the every once in a while I got to take the time to do that. But yeah, so I'm not necessarily the best when it comes to you know, understanding maybe necessarily your, the the linkages or the robotic arm, making the best design for an arm, you might have to take that from somebody else. But I can at least show you the the basic principles that are required for good CAD modeling, uh, you know, like the order nice. in which you should do things. So, and, and not every CAD, I mean, the way I like to do it is not, not necessarily how everybody else would want to do it, but, you know, I like to start from right. primitives, make, make sure the, the modeling is more robust and such that if you make a change, to somewhere somewhere in the in the tree because it's a it's a parametric model that it doesn't screw things up so you don't necessarily want your like your rounds and your fillets to be one of your early design elements because gotcha but if you if you have like i should say chanfers and fillets but like so like you want to make like the 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 design you know your primitive or whatever that it is and then you so make it flexible enough. So like if you need to make it longer or wider or whatever mm-hmm. to adjust the design that it doesn't break other things. So a lot of times a little bit of math sometimes is necessary, like some, some mathematic parameters in that not necessary, not, you don't have to do it that way. But, but as far as like good design practices, I, I can kind of guide in that regard. And then what we could do is just say, you know, I want to make a thing, whatever that thing might be. And, and we can right. do it together. And then once you once you just kind of understand those little basic things and where the picks and the clicks are, then you're pretty much good to go after that. And you know the way Onshape awesome. does it, it's a little bit different than how FreeCAD does it. Like one thing that's really different with Onshape to FreeCAD is if you make a change or you you know, like modify the design, it doesn't blow up. So that's really nice with Onshape. And and so I, that's I wish what we, I don't want. Yeah, I don't want right, it to because, blow up. I want them to be able to go and tweak and change it and not be like, right. holy crap, all of our work just went out the window. Right, because then they're not going to want to do that, and exactly. they're not going to want to continue with robotics. Yeah. Right, and we don't want we don't want that at all. So, I'm I'm hoping and 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 praying that FreeCAD will eventually be more like that, because I would love to use a completely open source, free, run locally thing. But but just right. you know, I I can't spend half my time doing design work, or reworking things because the engine couldn't keep references. So. But anyway, Onshape yeah. does it really well, yeah. and I, I I enjoy it. You can export stuff very easily, and uh, it's it's great. Cool, cool. And they can exactly they can tell you exactly what they want to do. They've already taken some measurements and stuff for things that they want. So some of that might need to be tweaked a little bit to make it fit properly. So I've should have STL files for both the pixel and I'm pretty sure we can get all the sizing measurements for the little micro servos that they're going to be using to operate the arms on there. The robot chassis moves. My daughter's the one who did the code. They're coding in Java for FTC. She's got all of the basic code for the chassis already and they're using these really cool wheels, mechanism wheels, and so they can move in every single direction, which is super awesome. That was interesting to learn how to power those and make them work. I might have to drop a link to the ones that they're using in the show description so so you can see what they look like. But it means that the robot can only move forward and backwards and it's regular turns, but it can literally move in diagonals on the field, which makes it highly maneuverable. And when you have a field that looks massive, when it's just one robot on there, it looks tiny when you have four robots moving on it. And then in this case, for this game, where you pick up the pixels for your team is on the opposite side of the field of where the stage is that you're putting those pixels on. So the robots are having to cross paths. And if you run into another robot that doesn't work in this, you actually get penalty points for that, or you give the other team points by hitting them. So how do you stay highly maneuverable 
be able to stop and still get to where you need to be. So I will definitely be taking you up on that offer. We'll figure out a time here soon in order to do that. So Matt, you can go ahead and wake up now and tell us all about how your minis form is hopefully working now, right? No. So the short version of that is the short version of that is I didn't even expect him to respond to getting it sent back at this point because short version, they have a 24 month warranty and I use that term very loosely yet. They want you to send video and all the other stuff of like it not working. And I'm like, dog, the thing, like the screen don't turn on the uh, nothing works. Like here's the port here's Thunderbolt. Nothing like it don't work. Like I don't know what to tell you. So back before the holiday, they finally messaged me back saying, oh, you can send it back for a replacement. What they didn't tell you was, do I need to send all the crap back that came with the original purchase? Uh, so uh, now I so now I don't know if I need to send the, the stylus back, the, the power cord and all the, you know, all the other right. nonsense that goes with it. Yeah. So it's like, can y'all like <laughs> figure your stuff out? Right. It's kind of annoying. Not going to lie. So. I'm kind of going back and forth from them on that right now. Mm. Short version is they at least have a fulfillment center, supposedly in Texas. So it's at least in the States. So nice. I've been, I've been, I've been approved for a fixer model, but because of all the, well, sketchy things, shall we say about that particular machine that they've just decided doesn't exist according to their website, which is maddeningly annoying. But, Something that also is not working is something that I did pick up for super, super, super cheap. What do you mean? It's not this working. A, I'll get to it? that in a second. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, Sorry. I'll, get, I'll get to that. Sorry, I didn't, did, I didn't. Did Magneto come visit you? <laughs> Magneto being anywhere in the same room as technology, it doesn't matter which one. <laughs> he, he can be in the room via camera and still break technology. So well, this he's is, not home yet, but I'll let you know when he shows up so we can like end the show now. So this is the One X Player Mini Pro. This is a Ryzen 7 6800U. So it's 8-core, 16-thread, 32 gigs of RAM, a terabyte SSD, and a Radeon 680. Cool. Awesome. It runs on a 1280 by 800, so very Steam Deck in its size Yeah. as far as that. Problem is, this ran Windows. Problem is, this ran Windows. <laughs> Well, I thought that was the big reason to get it. So you'd have to deal with the, the Steam Proton difficulties. No. So this was a $200 purchase. This normally for this particular model goes for about 800 because of spec. Okay. Specifically. So by, by that, I, you mean it's, it's spec'd a lot better or it's it. So the, ba- the base model that you would get for a refurb from one X player goes for about 600 with 16 gigs and a 512 SSD. Wow. I got this for about 75% the cost of a similar spec new unit. Mm. One problem hardware wise. Just one problem. Well, the Windows problem's taken care of because the Windows ain't on it no more. <laughs> For the about the third time, the joysticks are a problem. They have the Sorry. Linux and Windows, Linux and Windows. It's okay. a problem on both. Okay, um, because right now Chimera OS is installed on this, but okay. because of the joystick issue, I'm not messing around with it. I replay. I will give One X Player credit. They actually sell replaceable thumbsticks, Steam Deck, that you can buy to replace stick drift and all that stuff. I ended up buying the Hall's Effects ones Mm -hmm. to replace the ones that are in here. I bought both because I was like, well, if I'm going to replace one, I might as well replace them both. Right. It's kind of like a car tire kind of deal. They were 15 bucks a piece, which isn't. Well, so here's my gripe, though. For Hall Effects, it's not bad. Well, the 15 bucks became 25 bucks because of shipping. shipping. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, thir- it was $30 for the pair and $20 for the shipping, which... Oh, gotcha. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, that's a little painful. I could I, I could have looked through Amazon, but I much preferred to buy directly from the seller. Sure. And with Amazon, right. you never know about yeah. duplicate stores and if the stuff's going to fit, blah, 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 like all that stuff. So right. all in, once I get that fixed, it's going to be about $250 that I'm in on 
spec wise for this machine. Yeah, but you're still way below the eight hundred dollar initial price. So yeah, I think you're I think you're doing fine. Right. Yeah. But well, it sucks so- that the the experience that it comes with is so poor. It's so poor that you reinstalled yeah. Windows more than once trying to fix whatever was going on with it and then just so- gave up. So right? this shipped with Windows 11 and all the little Ooh. accoutrements that, uh, yeah, don't get me started on that. But this shipped with all the third-party accoutrements to try to make this like a bearable experience on Windows. Okay. Mm. not It's not possible, folks. Just the way the third-party tack-ons that you would normally get integrated right. with the Steam Deck feel very tacked on, ironically how it feels. Um <laughs> I had to use like the hardware, just as an example, to install Windows. You think it would do, you know, landscape on the install, right? Windows, you know, figure that. Now it does it this way. <laughs> that it does makes it, no it, sense. It, it does it in portrait. Like even Linux figures that out. Like <laughs> right. Well, I mean, so, like most screens are used in portrait mode or landscape yeah. mode anyway, not portrait. So it would make sense that it would do- default to landscape and not portrait. Well, yeah, I don't know the mobile the, device. So it's thinking like tablet. It's probably a gyroscope. I'm just guessing because these do have gyroscopes. Oh, in could them. be. So I'm assuming that it thinks it's because of the gyroscope that it's this way. But still, the fact that one OS. Okay. That it's designed for can't figure the crap out, but the OS that it's not designed for can figure the crap out <laughs> says a lot. Right. Yeah, there is that. But no, Windows, I, I go ahead, Nate. I was say, all right, so I've had to recently use the Windows 11 installer and My it's, a little bit, it's a little bit ham fisted. I mean, I, it's not very, I mean, it's not awful. I think I've, I've used worse installers, but it's it's definitely at the bottom of install experiences. Just just by the, the the sheer fact that like if you have newer hardware right now, you have to do like tricks in the BIOS just so like it doesn't fall all over itself to like fall back to older states, whatever. So Windows 11 is already outdated as far as I'm concerned. It's already it's already so, old installer. So here here's the provided great by Microsoft. thing about this. Here here's the great thing about this. Because I had a re, re, you know, Windows restart, you know, Windows, you know, whatever, clean install from like mm-hmm. within Windows itself, it wouldn't do it <laughs> at all with the install that was shipped on this. So it couldn't. So I had to clean install Windows. Uh-huh. You want to talk about painful? Yeah, yeah, of course. I ha- when you have to use. So here's my take with Windows: when you have I, I- when you have to use IOBits driver booster application because windows can't figure out drivers and people want to complain about drivers on linux yet guess what the joyce the d-pad actually works out of the box in chimera os doesn't work on windows (laughs) that's crazy that is the, the the experience of windows on this is so painful now you can talk about people wanting like you know EAC games and all the other stuff. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but the default shipping experience on this particular device and windows in general on these small of a screens for 20 years, you mean to tell me they still can't figure out how to do an OS that doesn't suck on a small screen device. Well, they really haven't had to have they? I mean, they had that windows. I mean, they had that windows phone thing for a while. But they so, never they never got it dialed in on that one. So, ironically, the Windows Phone OS is actually based off the micro the Microsoft Zune OS, and that is the been the best touch interface Microsoft has ever come up with for a sub seven inch screen or ten inch screen. Everything else has been garbage. You've had netbooks, you've had touchscreen netbooks, you've had all this other stuff, and you still can't figure it out. It's not a priority. Microsoft, get your crap together. So it's not it's not a priority. I mean, if they're not going to make their, they're probably just not going to make their money on that. So they just don't care. Well, no, and that's the thing. So like when these guys like one X player and GDP and all these other people, you know, all oh, windows is just a better alternative. I'm not limited. And it was like, yeah, cool. You can use an eGPU on this. That's awesome. What's the experience like? Oh, I got to boot into big picture mode anyway. So you might as well just get the steam deck at that point. Like, like the, the, 
I'm, t- I'm talking strictly UX. These are terrible with yeah. Windows. So how, how does it run with Linux on there then with Camaro OS? Does it actually run pretty uh, well? I mean, is it performance wise? It's, it's probably not dialed in. It's not tweaked like the Steam, Steam OS is for the Steam Deck. So I'm sure there's probably some. Well, so here's the thing I like about Camaro OS. They actually have the hardware. So they actually test the hardware oh. on this. Oh, nice. No- novel. So you can go to the Camaro OS website, look at this specific device, and they'll tell you what works and what doesn't work right on the website. What doesn't work? The Well, the two things that currently don't work is eGPU support because of how Chimera OS is. Well, it's a question mark, so. But that's more of a Chimera OS development end of things. You can probably get into it with some stuff. It's not going to work with mine because it's NVIDIA and they dropped NVIDIA support because it didn't play nice with Gamescope. Um, okay. Shock. And the other thing is a micro SD card. And the only reason the micro SD card doesn't work is it doesn't have one. So everything works basically, except for the eGPU support, which is questionable. Well, I, I, okay, forgive me on this one, but I thought the whole purpose of a handheld is so that you're portable. You can't have an eGPU and be portable. EGPU, so, so to me, this the, this is kind of like what Mark Shuttleworth was selling with the Ubuntu phone. Plug it in, dock it. You have a little more oomph or whatever. Sure, yeah. That's kind of what. That's kind of what these to me are. So like sure. you have a portable device for gaming, yes, but you can plug this in via Thunderbolt or USB, you know, whatever, four or five, whatever one they're going to be up to. And you can just have a higher gaming experience on a bigger screen. Sure. That's it. That That's all it's for to me. Okay. So it's kind of like when you, it's kind of like when you drop the switch into the dock, it has a little more performance and a little more oomph to it than when it's in handheld mode. That's how I view it. And I think that that experience is totally valid and fine. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you have one gaming device, well, I guess. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, more or less. And unfortunately, I have multiple gaming devices. <laughs> unfortunately. But, yes, for my wallet, very much, unfortunately. So while I'm messing around with hardware and, you know, complaining about software experiences, and all that stuff, Nate, it looks like you're trying to mess around with a remote desktop on Wayland. Yes, I didn't even write remote desktop, but yet you nailed it. Way to go, Matt. Anyway, yes. So uh, one of the things that I have been been messing around with a lot, uh, just because of my where my employment has taken me, is I have to do more a lot more remote desktop, remote type things. And I mm. thought to myself, like I set up a couple of uh, four uh, Raspberry Pi computers that are running a thing that allows for tracking reservations in the warehouse for when trucks are coming in or stuff like that. And so one of the things I had to do is I had to set these things up so that I could VNC into those very easily. And so it took actually a little bit of finagling as far as getting it dialed in exactly the way I wanted, because like there's so many different ways you can configure VNC. And most of them are the ways I don't want to configure them because it doesn't, that doesn't work for me. And anyway, so it's like a matter of finding the right way of doing it. I got it the way exactly the way I want it. And and it works great. So the 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 pies in Michigan are installed and doing their thing. The pies that are going to Texas arrived in Texas and apparently no one has thought to plug them in yet. It's okay. They just arrived. They they were, you know, chopping out the bit for them, but yet they haven't done anything with it. And I but anyway, the point is I have to be able to VNC into these things just to check, just to make sure things are going right. I just, you know, it's it's part of my everything that I'm responsible for, I'm gonna be able to hop into them very quickly and 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 I'm going to go into a second part of this a little bit here too. But the, so anyway, I, I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm running a lot of Wayland systems now and and I can't run, I can't do the remote desktop or VNC, whatever, into a Wayland system very cleanly at this point. But that is not entirely true anymore. There is something called KRDP. It's a flat pack. I'll make sure to get you a link to the information. Actually, I'm writing an article on kubeglade.com awesome. because I'm so excited. So I'll probably just give you that. Uh, I should have that article done this week uh, for sure. Sweet. It's, it's mostly done. and But basically, it's it's still in alpha stages, but it works well enough that I can use it. And it typically doesn't crash. But I did have it one, actually crash, Wayland, uh, K-Win, which was kind of funny. I laughed really hard when that happened. So don't do that. But anyway, it works. It's being worked on. It's actively being worked on. The the peop, you know folks from the KDE team are making sure this will work. So I think this only works with KDE at this point. I don't think it works with any other Wayland-based desktops. 
by KRDP. It's a flat pack. It installs. You just got to open up the port on your firewall if you have a firewall running and and it, it does its thing. So in testing it, I just actually, I RDP'd from a <clears throat> Windows system into it just to see if I could. And it worked. It brought up the desktop. And actually, it, I was amazed. Like, so, you know, I have a lot of goofy effects on my, my plasma de- plasma desktop. So like wobbly windows. You're one of those people. Yes. I got the, mag- <laughs> the magic lamp thing. I like the magic lamp. The boo, you know, I think, I, I think it looks cool. It makes me happy. I know it's an Apple thing, the magic lamp. I get it, but I like it. I can say I like something and I can say I don't like something, you know, it's all right. Anyway, so it, I was amazed by like through the RDP, how crisp and, and responsive it was with the, you know, the Wayland desktop. And I'm like, I've never experienced that kind of a performance before. And as I'm clicking around and doing stuff and I started messing with it and then I crashed it. So up until the point of crashing, it works great. I don't know how they're compressing the information, but it looks way better than, than anything else I've used through some sort of remote protocol. So uh, KRDP with Wayland is almost phenomenal. Once I get to that beta. Almost. Yeah, almost phenomenal. I mean, it looks, it's like it's there. It's like it's on the cusp of being absolutely perfect. And if they can integrate that into the Plasma, you know, desktop, that will pretty much make it, you know, the cat's pajamas right there. Now they are focusing on RDP because it's more universal, even though it's a more of a Windows protocol thing. Mm. And, but yeah, it truly is pretty great. So that's, that's what I got to say about that. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped because it works. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. It's nice that it kind of feels fills that gap for you that you're able to avoid Windows now even more and be able to access the stuff that you need to. So it kind of sounds like your job is a whole lot of just checking on different systems and making sure that they're running properly and doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. Right? And, then, and, and also like, so when things kind of, um, how do, how do I say this nicely? Uh, go haywire uh, sideways. <laughs> I'm gonna say something else, but there sideways. You go. <laughs> I'm gonna say something the bad, but sideways. Mm. You know, <laughs> when things go sideways, uh, you, you got to be able to fix it quickly. And so, like, I had an issue this like right. the, uh, the Friday before Christmas, a system in Texas went down, and so I, mm. I went and and I I've already com- talked to this software vendor who actually built the thing and I'm working with them on some on, on getting some answers. But essentially what happened was it runs Apache and then something called Apache Tomcat. I don't really know what the difference is between the two. I, did, I should look into it. And, but it runs on windows server. And, and so what happens is, yeah. and this is something really weird where like all of a sudden it, it just maxes out the CPU and the whole thing locks up. And this is like the main software system that the database actually runs on a separate VM but the the actual like the the management piece of it it it's like you know there are trucks coming in doing their thing at every 15 to 20 minutes and so if that software goes down if that system goes down things don't move you, you know what i mean right so it yeah it took me an hour and 45 minutes to get this thing back up because it was so uncooperative basically what i had to do is i had to force kill the thing which is a no no you know, it's a no-known Linux and it's especially a no-known Windows. I had to force kill the thing and then re-bring it back up. And eventually it actually, it, it did what it's supposed to do. But, I, but, you know, going through all the steps, trying to do it correctly, it just, it, it was uncooperative. So I did, I do have a complaint, whatever, uh, ticket in with the, the and I'm going to find out why are we running this on Windows? Like I talked to my brother, who's a software engineer and about the issue. And he says, and I mind you, he's more of a Windows guy. He says, why, why would that be running on Windows? You, you don't, Apache oh, runs wow. way better on on linux so I, I would think that you would have that running on a linux system i'm like i don't know i'll find out <laughs> so i i did bring it up on when this past wednesday i had a, a, a one on a meeting uh with with my contact what i have a bi-weekly a connect with um a representative from the company and uh mm. and he says i don't know i'll find out and so i don't know yet but i do at least i have it out there and i'm gonna, I'm gonna find out gotcha. you know when when the company that I, I work for is spending, you know, six six figures plus on this on this software, why, why are we running on something that's you know a little bit rinky dinky? But anyway, right. so I got to be able to get into all these different systems very easily. And and what I've actually been doing with that, and this is kind of a tangentially talking about the KRDP, is something called R- Remina, Remina. I, I don't know how, how it's actually R E M M I N A. It's for doing 
you can do uh, RDP or VNC or whatever into, into systems with it. There's also something with SSH too that'll do. But it is absolutely the best way that I, I've, I've figured or have discovered of accessing remote systems remotely like this because I can predefine a bunch of thing, a bunch of like different systems, and then I can give, I can put them in different groups, so I can very easily go to you know different sites and get the different thing, different systems at just you know click click in you know click click in and nice. uh, it's made it's made my response time in in getting into systems and doing what needs to be done so much more quick so, so much quicker i don't have to wait for anything it's just it's it's very it's instantaneous basically as long as i'm on the vpn and then i can i can get done what needs to be done and then i can get out and get on with my life so anyway remote desktoping something i haven't done like a year ago didn't do this sort of thing. Didn't care to. I did everything through the terminal, but now that I could do, I have to use graphical remote stuff. Uh, this has made my life good, way better. So it's not something that I have to do, but if I ever had to, then I would definitely be looking into this mm-hmm. and asking you how to set it up and all of that fantastic stuff. So I'm glad it's made your life easier, and it might even make a listener's life a little bit easier. Yeah, I have to go into. A little more detail in the Remina thing. Remina, Remina. I don't know. Whatever it's called, yeah. Cricket, cricket. (laughs) Anyway, I can't pronounce things. So it really has made doing remote desktoping so much better. In fact, now I I have have it set up so I can actually get into this system now. I'm using VNC in combination with TailScale. Now I can get into this system right here because I need to get into this system in particular because I have this one doing different things or monitoring different Mm. things. And so this is kind of like my gateway instead of my server for reasons. But anyway, so yeah. I, I got different things like set up like that. And, and it, it actually it's, it's really, it's really pretty slick how it works. And I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. Maybe other people wouldn't like it. Awesome. Love it. So. <laughs> so speaking of displaying things, Wendy, it looks like you got a new monitor. I did get a new monitor and it's part of the reason why I'm back to using the webcam. So, my husband heard me complaining about the fact that I needed another monitor. I was using hmm. three and I, I needed at least one more. So he got me a monitor for Christmas and then I had to rearrange my desk. So I don't have a good monitor arm yet. It's one of the things that I hope to be getting here soon. So it'll actually hold all four monitors, give a little bit more space on my desk as it is. But now with all four and the way that they're arranged, I really don't have a good place to put the camera. And I didn't realize that until I went to go try to reset it up today and it didn't work. So I'm using the (laughs) webcam at the moment because that's how we're getting the show done today. Whatever it takes. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Whatever it takes. I'm here. We're getting it done. But it is so nice to have this workflow once again. So yes, I do need all four monitors. I know it is excessive to some. I do have the desk space for it. But I think I'd mentioned before that I run DaVinci Resolve Mm -hmm. on two monitors, which is really, really nice. I recently figured out that I can take the video feed and move it to that second monitor. So especially when I'm doing stuff that has lots and lots of different tracks, you know, especially some of the DLs where you'll have the one where they did the interview with the printing. Mm -hmm. So there was the three regular hosts plus two guest hosts. So I had everybody's video track and everybody's audio track. And then I have to overlay the music and other stuff on top of it and then the effects that go on top of that like you end up with a stack of tracks yes and then it was making it hard to see what i actually needed to see so it's nice that i could actually move that video feed onto another monitor and have one monitor be just all of my massive array of flipping tracks and see what i'm doing so I was I was gonna say Wendy, I told you that being able to see the the compositor in a totally separate monitor is totally yeah. seeing the end result as you see it scrub through the timeline. People won't understand it until they do it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. And then I usually have the show notes on one monitor, so I can keep track of certain things that are going through. 
And then I'm usually having to take screenshots at the same time. And so it's nice to have a monitor that's just dedicated to screenshots. So I can see the editing field. I can see the show notes that I need to reference. And at the same time, be able to take whatever screenshots that I need and then pull them in. So this four monitor setup is really nice at the moment. I'm, I'm sure... I could use five monitors, but my current graphics card will only take four. So <laughs> I'm, I'm at my limit for what my graphics card will take, but definitely That's, getting a new monitor on. There is a way to get more, but um, you know, I have my graphics system on my framework can only push four monitors, but I am pushing yeah. six. So, and I actively use all six all the time. Right. So it's not. They're, they're important. You gotta have you gotta have lots of monitors. Mm-hmm. I know that I need to get a laptop for doing some different work stuff when I'm not home, some different editing stuff, which will be a firmware or a will be a framework laptop. So when I spec one out, holy crap, that got expensive really, really fast. It's not something that's currently on my buy list because obviously I need a new flipping car. But <laughs> well, you probably get the sixteen then. On my wish list, probably. Get yeah, the, I want yeah. the sixteen-inch yeah. for sure. Yes, I, I definitely want that real estate on the laptop because I would be using it for some video editing. Obviously, it wouldn't be great for a lot of show stuff, but in a pinch, because you know when I'm at my other home, the robotics build room, I could at least be able to get some other stuff done. They do have a computer there that I can use. I have installed DaVinci on it, but especially during FTC, that robot, that robot, <laughs> that computer can actually be being used by the team because it is the team's computer. Right. So it's it's not mine dedicated to use. I only have access to it if they don't need it. And right now they've needed the heck out of it. So it would be nice to have something to be able to to pack with me. And I'd want one of those. But for now, I've got my dedicated desktop and my four monitors and getting through. Oh, you may have saw I got some earbuds for Christmas too. Ooh, look so, at those. Yes. Last time I, I tried to use these, I was only getting sound from one side and I'd have to like bang on them in, in order to get sound from the other side sometimes. Yes. I had let my children borrow these. I don't know if that was the only <laughs> reason why they started running into issues. I have had them since 2020, which I know is only three years, but they have gotten very, very heavy use they made it on an airplane with me to Texas and back and stuff. So my time with them has not been necessarily gentle use or sitting on the shelf. They've been very heavily used over the last three years, going on three and a half years. So they they might continue working well, but, but these are nice. I like these because I can actually have them on in the car. Yes, I've got the hands-free stuff, but not every conversation that I'm having in the car with people, I want the children to hear both sides of that conversation. So it's really nice that I can have something in my ear instead of right. going through the stereo. Especially when it's about time. them. So I've been enjoying them. Yes. Yes. Especially when it's about <laughs> them. It's always about them. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I'm enjoying this too. I'm enjoying my new monitor. I would eventually like to have all four monitors the same size. And so as you're moving things back and forth, then it makes it a little bit more seamless. But at this point, just getting them up on a monitor arm, I think is going to be make a big difference. Being able to make sure that all of them are fully adjustable and they're comfortable whether I'm sitting or standing. Mm. It's been quite a while since we've had a game. And of course, you didn't fail us this time, but I'm a little disappointed in what the game is about. And go ahead, pull my geek card. I don't care. Whoa, whoa. Not a Star whoa. Wars fan. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. What you're saying is yes. you do not like Star Wars? That is what I'm saying, yes. Cool. <laughs> 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 I, I know Michael's always like, how dare you? And I'm like, yeah, I don't like it. No, or it, Star Trek. I know. You no, know, here's the thing. It's like, you know, some people like certain beverages, adult beverages, 
And, mm-hmm. you know, when you have mature taste and whatnot, and like if I had to choose between like a beer, glass of wine, or a bowl of chocolate moose tracks ice cream, 10 times out of 10, I'm going for that moose tracks ice cream because I'm like, that's delicious. This other stuff tastes like rotten fruit or grain. Fooey. So, uh, I mean, See, every once and in a date, while. Date night for us, for me and Magneto, is going to one of our favorite local microbreweries. And yeah. Sam. See? Uh, and you have mature tastes. Yeah. I have the ch- taste of a 12-year-old. That's fine. When it comes to movies, I have a taste of a 12-year-old. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all good. There you go. Well, I like Star Wars. <laughs> no, as far, as far as overall, like, I don't know. People are going to like what they're going to like, like Nate's saying. Right. Yep. I'm sure you're probably more, I'm guessing what more Lord of the Rings. If you, if you could fall into that end of the spectrum. I, I do. Like, you know, I do actually enjoyed Lord of the Rings. Like if you've been following my Macedon, I've been trying to hit the Silmarillion and struggling with that one a uh, little bit, mostly because there. <laughs> it's the <laughs> names, like keeping track of the names. I'm, I am horrible with names. I'm absolutely horrible with names. I tell people when I meet them, I'm sorry, I'll remember your face, but I won't remember your name. And then you're dealing with all of these like complex names inside the book. And I'm like, right, I'm trying, but I'm struggling. <laughs> Here's your expedition, dump, exposition dump, you know, all, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, f- what is it? Like a, it's almost a thousand pages if I remember correctly. Like, it's a big book. <laughs> I'm doing the audio version because I'm an audio book person, but yeah. Especially <laughs> if you're driving a lot of yeah, I don't. Touché. I don't like reading, reading and driving. It's really difficult because, like, you, know, you got to put it above the spe- <laughs> like the the speedometer. Right, and yeah. You know how fast you're going. You know, <laughs> people are people getting in the way. Right. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> people get these red lights. How people, dare like, slow they? Down, and it makes it really yeah. hard to read a book, especially like especially when you're in their back seat. You know. <laughs> so, the game that I chose, anyway, to go with Wendy's lack of geek cred is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Hmm. And this is actually takes place about five years. This will be your, you know, your geek portion of this. Thanks to your five takes place five years after the revenge of the Sith. So it's still order 66 and the fallout from that and all that stuff. You play a surviving Padawan. I'm probably going to play a surviving Michael. I do know that (laughs) much from hardware addicts. Cal Kestis is the actual name of the character that you play. But it, it's got some nice calls. It's got like the the Night Sisters from Dathomir is on there. So for those that are fans of like Rebels and kind of the more okay animated cool. stuff, um, it's uh, that's on there. There's just a lot of nice like if you're super uber into Star Wars, there's nice little calls here and there. But if you're not into Star Wars, good fan service. It's a thing, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a fun lightsaber, you know, sci-fi slash fantasy just action game so you really don't need to be into star wars to actually really enjoy it which is nice but i mean you get like jedi powers and you know you can do like force push force pull all that kind of stuff but like it's not so deep into it where it's like a normal non-star wars fan isn't gonna like it the reason i chose this specific game though is you can generically get it for about six bucks (laughs) <laughs> oh, now uh, I like that. Yeah, that so is. when this go when this goes on sale specifically, it is about a six dollar game. Nate, you'll like this because it's Steam Deck verified. So it is not is a six dollar game right now, at least right. not on We're, Steam. No, it's for so you got to wait for those Ste- sales. Yeah, yeah. So the the Steam sales and that kind of stuff will will make it super cheap well, it's because there is a. Oh, okay, so then it's changed then. But either okay. I don't know. I was playing it on. I was playing on desktop Linux, so okay. I don't know what to tell you. the The biggest thing that I can say for the Linux experience is you will see a lot of shader compiling. So there's new areas is some stutter when you first get into them, but once you're actually in them, it's fine. That's more because of how the world is built. It's more open arena as far as like how it's made. Okay. It's not open world per se, but it, like. The, the travel mechanics and that stuff are very kind of give it a more vertical feel and kind of a bigger world feel to it. But again, I, I just like this game. I just got done beating it. This is actually the second game this year that I've beaten already. So for me, this I, year, I've like ha- is th- in 2024, 20, 24. Yeah. This is the second game. I've no beaten. way. 
well, the last game I played was like five hours long. So it was literally like two days. And it was like, I only had a couple hours. Every, so this one was actually one that I had started at one point, maybe got about four hours into it. And I was like, I actually have a day off. I'm gonna, just going to sit here and play this game. Well, that gotcha. day off became okay. the entire That's day. That's all you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so adulting did not happen. But... Uh, hey, we uh, all gen- need days like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, generically, this gameplay length is about anywhere from 15 to 20 hours. So it can be fairly long or fairly short, depending on how you decide to play it. But uh, again, I just enjoyed it overall. And the fact that you can get it super cheap you do need a little bit beefier hardware nate than you know normal but because it requires i think it's like a 50 gig install so it's not a small game but Ooh, yeah um, 55 gigs available space holy but That's at, not little. at a six dollar price point if if you're a star wars fan this is done by the guy respawn yay so and i don't mean early access i mean electronic arts which is usually like the evil empire ironically Right. Well, you can but get in a, this case, it's included with EA Play starting at four ninety nine a month. That was not an endorsement, Ooh, by the way. Speaking of EA, I know this is off topic. We'd never do that. But nope, the kids never. got a steering wheel for Christmas to play games on. Mm-hmm. And the one game my daughter wanted to play with the steering wheel is the one game that EA says no steering wheel. <laughs> Shock. Shock. Huh. But uh, that doesn't surprise me. It's EA. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. She she was not happy. Electronic Arts in the eighties <laughs> was a fantastic organization. Apparently, it's just not anymore. Nate, Nate, you could say the same thing about Activision in the eighties too. Activision, in the Pitfall, 90s. Pitfall Two. Come on, those are some of the best that Activision's ever done. I was actually thinking of some of their FMV games from the early nineties. I actually liked a lot of oh, really? games from the yeah, FMV games. Oh, that I recall any from uh, those. Uh, Spycraft and a few others that are. Okay. Oh, but anyway. This particular game, again, is is more EA doesn't actively do a lot of the dumb things EA does. So there's no microtransactions as one. So literally all the content in the game is the content in the game. There's no silly nonsense that EA does where it's like, oh, here's a bunch of loot crates and loot boxes and gambling I for you know, gamers. That yeah. So this is you pay the, the cost of the game. And all the contents there, which is nice. fantastic. <laughs> they do this. This is the thing I like about Respawn specifically. They did this with their other game, Titanfall 2. And they also did it with, there is a second game in this series, which is Jedi Survivor. They also didn't do any of the typical EA isms and do all the stupid crap. So I believe in rewarding developers who actually understand that customers don't want to be nickeled and dime to death exactly exactly they don't want to be nickeled and dimed to death and then it drives me nuts when the kids are like hey can i get this game and i'm like no because it's got (laughs) stuff inside of it then you have to buy as well and we're not doing that i'm not playing that game nope yeah no definitely i know speaking as a gamer my biggest gripe is the sports games as an example like Mm. that's the prime example of like what content portions of the games that are lopped off just so that they can sell them at a later date or features and functions locked behind paywalls yeah. or that the, uh, 2k is infamously famous for this where it's like the wwe games that they put out you, the grind on those games to actually unlock the, yeah you can unlock the content in the game but how many years do i have to play this game to actually unlock like right, a new move or cosmetic yeah. or something and and among so, us change that so they did have like additional packs that you could buy which they weren't super expensive for stuff and now you can actually earn them through the game better one thing that i'm not happy with and i'm not sure whether it is an among us thing or it's probably more an xbox thing is you can buy the game on xbox but unless you have their premium subscription you can't play the game because you have to have their premium subscription in order to. Oh no no so oh, no that's an X so that no that's you're talking Xbox, Xbox but that that's yeah. uh, Xbox Live Gold or whatever yeah. whatever that uh-huh. so you can't play yeah. Among yeah. Us yeah. with yeah. your friends unless you have a subscription to Xbox right it, it, yes 
it's very much a gated. And they still charge you five bucks for the game, but then it's useless after you buy it unless you have the subscription. Yeah, that, that's a Microsoft. We figured that that's one a out. that's a Microsoft that's a Microsoft problem. Good job, Microsoft. To be to be. Wait, wait, wait! So stick it to your, to your customers again. So in, now in fairness, that's actually dependent on the developer too. Is it because uh, Sony has something? I just want to Sony blame has something sim- Microsoft. Well, Sony has something similar where like certain games that are free to play. Like uh, Warframe, as an example, you can free to play on on PlayStation, and it's a multiplayer game. But most of like the Sony developed games that have multiplayer are behind a paywall to actually play with other players. Other people. (laughs) So, Nate, unfortunately, the days of the PS3 and the free multiplayer, which is what I loved about Sony at that time, is long gone. That's why we. Well, then why not just play on PC or mobile where you're not stuck in a subscription? You you know, I. I was watching, okay, sorry to sidetrack this again. So the Gamer Nexus, Still? you've heard of Gamer Nexus, <laughs> yeah, but he had Wendell yes. on. Yes. Yep. And he had Wendell on from Level 1 Techs. Level 1 Tech? Mm-hmm. Level 1 Techs? Anyway. Yeah, Level 1 Tech. And, and by the way, Wendell's really lost a lot of weight. Have you noticed that? Good for him. Anyway, mm-hmm. so they were talking about doing, you know, th- th- about gaming, obviously, Gamer Nexus. And they were actually complaining about like kind of how Sony and Microsoft have been 1984 in your content as far as like pulling it back and, mm. and whatnot and like you pay for something like and they're like well you only rented it for a really long time and i think that's right and basically they were, they were you know underscoring the the benefits of owning your own media yep right and yeah and also tangentially not they didn't really say it necessarily but like steam ha- or valve has much better policies with steam as far as like once you buy the content, you keep that content. And even if they stop selling it, it's still available for you. And yep. so little yep. things like that, that Valve makes, you know, they, they're kind of the in-between. I mean, if they go evil, I'm going to be really upset because they, I think they're the shining beacon of, you know, the benefits of internet and owning your media kind of in a, in, in a, a mix here because you mix, actually can yeah. own it and you actually download it to your, your local, you know, whatever. You can actually move it to another device without a problem Mm -hmm. and so i feel like they they're doing it right but but yeah owning your media anyway the the point of it was level one tech and or or wendell and gamer nexus i can't remember his name they they were just saying that they've noticed that people have been getting really upset with different subscription services because like you know they Mm -hmm. they finally got some time to sit down and watch a thing and now it's not available anymore and right and so there's a little bit of i a sense of you know kind of what I've been feeling for basically all my adult computer life. There, there, there's pushback. Finally. Yes, there's pushback finally on yes. on the streaming. Services. So, so well, the thing about the, okay, so the initial pitch for streaming services was a la carte. You have access to everything. That right. was the whole initial pitch. Right. They have become cable. Yep. They have become yes. what they didn't want to be. Right. They become everything that you so, didn't want. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. The, the a la carte is going away, essentially. And the thing that I love, so Nate, to your point about Valve, the thing I love about Valve, there are games that I have on my account that are no longer listed for sale. They've been pulled down by the publisher. Some of the games are questionable as far as like the legalities of them, but I still have right. access to them. Mm-hmm. Because you that bought is, them and Steam makes that available to you. Their, yeah. their end the, user license so policy I, is actually customer focused, not business focused so i will get i give valve a lot more of a pass when it comes to you know i'm like these things where it's you're renting it essentially hoping that they're gonna let perpetuity licenses don't exist and i give valve a little more credit because they haven't done anything where like if they delist the game i can still download the thing right um the moment that goes away then you start calling them out on it. I mean, this is why I back up a lot of my GOG stuff because like, it's cool. Awesome. Like DRM free. Great. Awesome. But like in case that stuff goes away, I I would prefer to, you know, keep being able to actually own it and download it. So I I get it. This is also why I have 
read backups of well okay not counting that stuff but like digital media like the digital media that i have for like mm-hmm. HTPC stuff i have three backups i have the the actual device i have a and two local storage devices because just in case you're doing better than i anyway. am there i just have the back i have the uh, uh the the media the physical media than, than the the ripped copy well, I have the the physical media, the ripped copy, and two backups of the ripped copy. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't have that that second part. I'm. I fall short there. There. There's a reason I have the four one two three four four terabyte external hard drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I get it. <laughs> so I so I could clone them. Anyway, probably time to wrap this up. But anyway, Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I sent it to my my oldest to see if he's interested in all in it because I think I think it looks pretty cool. We'll see if he see if he's interested. Right now he's on kind of a Spider Man kick, so I have to wait till that's over. PS five, PS five. I'm I'm not I'm not admitting to anything. PS four. Not I'm not admitting. To <laughs> it's anything. older. It's older. I'm not admitting to anything. PS four is older. <laughs> I'm not admitting to any POS machines. PS two was great. <laughs> the three was all right. The one was whatever, but the two is great. It was all downhill after that. I will say, actually, I enjoyed the PS3 more than the PS2. Okay. You're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> and you're allowed to be stuck in 1999. That was like 2003 for me. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topic. Hit the discourse forums, drop us a line under this video, or, or the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com slash contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media platform, see the links at the bottom of the show description. You can find other great shows like Fit and Fuel, Destination Likes, and Lennox Saloon, and more at TuxDigital.com. Mm-hmm. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the Gamer-Centric I Pause My Game to Be Here shirt. Do it every week. or no, You don't every week. Don't, don't play. No, no. Don't lie. <laughs> do it every episode <laughs> no there was that one time when i i swear you were playing a game while we were talking we were Nate probably Pickle, having when, a 3d printing discussion right. and so he probably kicked it back on for a little bit yeah i think he did I'd say yeah. so i saw something going on i, don't, in I don't classes i think i don't know what you i don't know mm. i don't know what you're talking about of course don't you don't you probably about. don't remember got hit in the head up too many times total lies Nate. <laughs> total lies. <laughs> why you gotta lie huh why well, you know, I'm standing actually. <laughs> okay, anyway, back to it. I don't even know where we were. Or join the hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. She is evil. It is not sinister. She is evil. No. Not She's evil. a force for good, but she's kind of more like a, you know, it's it's a force for good, but not necessarily on the up and up. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back <laughs> next time with another awesome suit of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banner friendly and the conversation will help not on topic at all like we do and have fun doing it.